Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to the July 10th edition of the PFF Forecast. We have a great show. Um, I have to... Uh, I have to apologize to the listeners today, but we also have a fantastic story about a rookie quarterback that uh, from last season who is now confirmed taking the next step in his career. We're also going to talk a little fantasy because fantasy season is coming up and um, and have a few debates about who should be at the top spot. I think this will be kind of interesting. And Eric and I uh, obviously like to use the PFF fantasy product and listen to our great fantasy analysts. So that'll be a good conversation as well. We've got some college football win totals that uh, Eric has taken. And I have a story or not a story, but I have to ask Eric about a story. Apparently he was out to like 2 a.m. in in like 1920. So this will be a great episode. Let's rock. Okay. Um, let me set the stage here. Um, we're going to get to Zach Wilson in a second, but yesterday you sent, uh, you were sending me pictures. Um, the, the context that I had, we talked earlier in the day and you said that you were going to a bachelor party, but then the pictures that I received, I think bachelor party and I'm thinking strip club, Vegas, you know, the whole thing. The, the, the photos that I received looked like you didn't go to a particular place. You went back in time. Like you were sending me pictures of like a general store. I thought it was like Little House on the Prairie reenactment. What happened? Yeah. So uh, my wife's brother, uh, Kyle, uh, I can confirm that we did not go to a strip club that night. Uh, they made Is there a strip I club there. They didn't have those in the, in the, they may, they may or may not have gone the night before, but both of my older brother-in-laws, two older brothers, uh, own a house on the lake in, uh, Elko, Wisconsin. Um, and, and actually the lake is beautiful. I took a picture of it. I put it on Instagram, I put it on Twitter. It's Congrats. quite nice just to sit there. Um, but man, where do I start? Like, and again, I don't want to like come off as like, where, where was it that you went? So Elko, Wisconsin is probably for those Midwest roots, you know, like what's the closest town that I would have ever heard of? Like it's probably Wausau. Nope. Green Bay is that. probably another hour. Or okay. Two. So this is an hour. Yeah. Cause Green Bay, let's it's be clear. Like Green Bay 
it, when there's no football, there is nothing there. It's Lambeau Field, and that is there is nothing else. So to say that you were an hour away from Green Bay, I think makes sense. What did you guys do? Did you guys like go drink moonshine? Like what? What did they have there? Were they just discovering running water? I just so I am sixty six days without a drink. I maintained that yesterday. Look at you. Um, yeah, yeah. So um, and not and I have nothing against drinking. I just like don't want to drink for a while. So I. I came, I got there about two. So like my kids were staying here in the Twin Cities. My wife's family is about three hours from where we were set up. So we kind of met halfway, dropped the kids off. And then I kept going. The first part started with me having to go to the bathroom. I go to the general store in Elko. Both bathrooms are out of order. I look at the guy and I, and I've been driving for like three hours. I look at the guy, I'm like, Really? So he's like, oh, there's a grocery store behind you. You can go there. So I get in the grocery store. This grocery store, my brother in Christ, was a a, a mobile home. Hmm. Like a big mobile home. What were they cooking in there? What kind of products were they serving? And so I walk in, and there are like these wood panel floors. Hmm. And I'm a big guy. I've lost some weight, but I'm still a big guy. And the, the, the floors were creaking when I was walking to the back there. There was a woman who was like, who was a cashier who was laying on the conveyor belt that she was apparently putting produce on. No way. We're buying. It was, it was something, right? Okay. Okay. Let me ask you. So let me ask you some questions. Okay. So there's a bachelor party. So you guys go to a bar, presumably what, what are the people like at the bar? So, so yeah, so we, and and again, this is a, the people were delightful. I really enjoyed. uh, Are they cowboys? Like, settlers like what's going no, like, on I, I think you i don't think you have like you know it, it, it's you don't have it like it's just you know country boys from the north okay right? so, so are they playing what kind of music are they playing are they is it live music like so we go as far and it was a supper club have you ever heard of a supper club you know I what have. that is mm-hmm. okay so so it was a supper club but it was a little different because you walk in and the bar is right there mm-hmm. and the barkeep is a dude named dale no shit dale and he's wearing a like Hawaiian shirt, some baggy jeans, and what can only be described as like a cross between like New Balance shoes love and, dad and Crocs. I love this guy. And Dale, so Dale's got to figure out. So to get a seat in the supper club, you have to basically like buy drinks before. Like he's the he's sense. the hostess with the most. Mm-hmm. So we had to go in and like they had to you know I got like a Mountain Dew or something, whatever. But like they they got like ten old fashions, mm-hmm. and so we get in, stay, and the food's like okay, like I it, yeah. it, you know I got a steak, it was fine, you know they seemed to enjoy themselves. Then we got out, and and that was fun. Like I it was a really good time. So then we get out, and and I drive us to a couple, a few of us, and there was another you know group. We we get to this place, and I can't remember the town's name, but the bar was literally named after the town. It was like the same name. Mm-hmm. and this bar had was one of those where you look in the back and I, I'm assuming people from the country this is where like they're they literally have like potato chip bags that are like mm-hmm. hanging from that you could order yeah, yeah. behind you uh every beer every beer you can order was just a can like they had nothing on tap mm-hmm. and then next to it was this volleyball court where there's no volleyball net and there was just a bunch of kids toys in the sand so I'm guessing that the townspeople would show up, put their kids in the sand, 
and get go grab a few suds and go grab a few. Now yeah. that was the least remarkable of the two bars we went to because across the road, and I again I showed you pictures of this across the road there was a bar and I got I got I got to look at this name here. Hold on one sec, quick, great podcast material here. This is incredible. Um, the the name double. was Four Pull Joes, uh, and and the and it was underneath like a sign four that had pull pass, or four pull, pull. P O L E, and and it was Were underneath there four a pass, poles there a pass blue ribbon. This bar. My, my, you know, again, this bar was a trailer, like a legit, like somebody used to live in this thing type of trailer. And inside there was this big hunk of wood that people were playing hammer on. You know what hammer is? I do not. So hammer is a game like by that, you know, Germans invented where basically you put like six nails into a, like a hunk of wood and everybody takes this hammer and drunkenly, the first one taking one swing at a time to get the nail into like fully into mm-hmm. it wins. And so usually it's played outside. I mean, we used to be a proper country. It was usually played outside. This guy had it in his freaking trailer, like bar thing that we were in. How big is, is this a normal trailer? I think it was a bigger, tra- I think it was a double wide for sure. Okay. It has um, to be. But the guys like the funniest thing is the guy's office was like open so you could see like where the guy does whatever mm-hmm. accounting he does for this bar. The the TV was humongous and it was actually on Dallas Green Bay from like 2016. A great game, honestly, for me to like sort of belly up and watch. And then the guy's bed was literally for all of us to see. I I at this point in time, I go to the guy and I'm like, okay, I need a, I need a cigar. You know, I need some, I need something right now. Yeah. I, I'm not drinking, but I need something. And he's like, all I got is past blue ribbon. That's so incredible. you can imagine that at that point in time, I found a couple of people, Alliance members, as I was, would come mm-hmm. to call them, mm-hmm. who wanted to take a trip back to the cabin and mainly so that I could like not leave all these people to dry. But I was just like, I want to go home. You know, my parents' house is like three and a half hours from here. I want to go home. And so I, I find a few. I drop them off. They, they have a bonfire or whatever. I leave. I did not have a cell signal for the first hour of my trip. So I was literally driving by like knowing that I needed to be southeast somehow. Southwest. The fact that you made it back, you got I made it back driving me in your probably from optimal time was only like a half hour later than I should have been, which is pretty (laughs) solid. Like if I would have taken the optimal path, I would have taken a half hour less. So I got home at 2 a.m. Central last night. Uh, And it was it was something. I mean, the people were a lot of fun. But honest to goodness, it's days like those where I just wish you were with me to have to observe this because I've been through some of this. So it doesn't Mm -hmm. it's not as jarring for me. But if you were there, I don't know what would have happened. I think I would have embraced it. You know, you're in those situations. You have no choice. Like, I think maybe earlier on in life, I might have been pissed off. But when you're when you're in it, you just it reminds me of when you go to you find that shitty dive bar in your college uh-huh. town. And like it sucks. Like, but you embrace it and you're like, this is the only place I'm going to go on a Tuesday night. So like or a Monday night or whatever. So you go and you embrace the hell out of it. 
Then you go back later on in life and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. Um, Prince of Wales was the one for me in uh, Playa del Rey. So I don't, it wasn't quite a trailer. It wasn't anywhere near what you experienced, but I kind of get where you're coming from. Um, that was, by the way, 15 minutes of you talking about a shantytown bar scene. So there are now, there might be two people left listening to the podcast at this point. Hopefully they've at least skipped ahead. This is the part of the show where I need to profusely apologize for my Formula One bets today. Oh, nice. They were dog shit. Love. Now, it could have been a Jordan flu game kind of performance for me, okay? I'm under the weather, as you can tell. Got a sore throat. I, I don't really, you know, I, I'm not feeling my best. But I powered through. And here's the thing, Eric. I've been really good at picking winners. And I, I second-guessed myself today, and I let – the, the oh. 15 Formula One followers that I have down, I had Charles Leclerc three to one written in my tweet. I was ready to place the bet. And I said to myself, you know what? Red Bull just looked dominant. This is a fool's errand. He and Carlos Sainz are going to take one another out. And so I didn't do it. I went all in on Red Bull. Um, that cost me a little bit. I actually had a few bets. Um, I bet uh, I liked Haas today and they did well but only uh, two of those bets came through. So it was a poor, it was a poor day for me. I could blame it on the first lap because in the first lap, George Russell and Sergio Perez, who I bet heavily on both got in accidents and Sergio Perez ended up retiring, but I'm not blaming it on that. This was my fault. This was on me. I will be better. I've got to just double down. We've got a week off of formula one. I'm going to get it back on track. So that's me apologizing. So, so that's I, my thing too, is I'm going to watch this because like my kids are out of town i'm i'm here sort of like working on work right yeah. it's mostly coding you can have stuff on the background i'm gonna watch the netflix special oh drive to survive okay this week because listen listen here i've already conquered these other sports okay mm. i did not lose a single bet in the cfl this week i went four and oh i got cleave on two of them on one game i got negative three and a half points of cleave and i and that game won by double digits I like, I, I have nowhere else to go and see. I can't improve in CFL. So I need to, I need to take up another sport. And, and in addition to that, I put two limit size bets today on team Wilson in the WNBA uh, 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 all-star game. They were plus mm -hmm. two plus one ten on the money line. They won by 20. Like I I'm dialed in right now. I need a challenge. So I'm going to, I'm going to go into yeah. F1. I can't so wait. It, if nothing else, so that I can understand your tweets in the morning on Sunday. That's, that's, that's good. Like that'd be a good start. Number one thing. Yes, I, I think that'd be a good start. Okay, well, welcome aboard. I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to hearing your, your journey through uh, Drive to Survive um, and uh, you learning about it. By the way, for when you figured out, I found a fantastic, uh, this is uh, courtesy of Ben Stockwell, a really cool um, Formula One account I've shouted out a couple here, by the way, in the past. And I, I should say that while I did not bet Charles Leclerc three to one to win, my guy Sam Hoppin did. And so if you're not following him and you follow Formula One, you're blowing it. He has a, a simulation that he runs. He posts the results on, on Twitter and um, it's done. It's done really, really well. I use it very frequently. I did not use it well enough this morning, clearly. But um, there's a, a site called F1 uh, Tempo. They're on Twitter. Um, if my internet worked, I would be able to actually um, uh, look it up. But there's a, uh, yeah, it's F1 underscore tempo, underscore tempo underscore. 
And uh, they have a wealth of data, but they also show you where they get their data from. There's a nice GitHub. If I had any time in my life, I would have gone and played around with it. So hopefully um, you can, uh, not that you will have any time. Maybe we just hire someone specifically to do that. That would be ideal, I think, um, from my perspective. Okay. So we need to, we need to be clear here that this is a sports podcast, but we leverage the information that we get from the outside world. All information is important. Is important. Now, what I love to see is when a young quarterback has a clear area of weakness and attacks it head on, goes all in, balls deep. Literally. To amend and make that a strength. What was Zach Wilson's biggest weakness? He looked like he was 12. He was too young. He isn't mature enough to lead the Jets. And so what did he do this offseason? He dumped his girlfriend who appeared to be his age. And it turns out that he has been sleeping with his mom's best friend, who I presume is not his age. Uh, This came out. I'm sure most people I mean, look, have seen. We can't make assumptions about the LDS community. True, that's very true. So this is how this happened. You uh, Stadium um, found this. So uh, his now ex girlfriend turns out is is now dating very happily. It appears based on my Instagram scouring. His former, more I, I guess former best friend and wide receiver at. BYU. By the way, the, the true cougar uh, is Zach Wilson. Um, and so it, someone commented uh, and called her a quote, homie hopper. Which I, she, which, I, uh, which I had just learned, by the way, which is hilarious. I had never homie even hopper, heard this. Homie, homie hopper. hopper. Homie hopper. So she is a homie hopper. And is that a combine was, exercise now? She responds, he was sleeping with his mom's best friend. That's the real homie hopper. Um, do, how, how does how many spots up are you moving Zach Wilson, and are you are you now dumping all of your money into the Jets over win total? I mean, it, it's pretty interesting for sure. I mean, I like my favorite. My favorite, by the way, is the little, and we're going to talk about college football a little bit. The the holy war between University of Utah. And BYU because the the great tweet was by I think our friend who runs the Utah Sports Analytics account where it was one of those like which button to push and it's like really want to defend your quarterback but really want to defend the BYU honor code mm. <laughs> and like and so that was that was the, the guy's sweated that's pretty good too um I mean look the guy's independent you know the guy's gonna the guy's it, like. It, it had, the thing we saw with Wilson last year was he wasn't afraid to break contain. Um, we saw that again here. Um, he that's also, once he, once he broke contain, you know, I obviously was finishing this time last year, a lot of plays that's left on the field. So that, that, that's an important step in the right direction for him. Um, yeah. Uh, our friend, Brett Coleman, our brother in Christ, he said in a tweet that he thinks that the AFC East is almost as tough as the AFC West. Now, I don't necessarily agree with that. We might have to get Brett on the show. Oh, we it's been uh, too long, by the it's way. It's been too long on the show. Um, but that requires the Jets to be a real football team, right? And look, uh, the Packers became a real football team and Brett Favre, Brett Favre got into town. 
And we know that that was, a, I mean, the over under yeah. on, on occurrences of this situation with Brett Favre is, I mean, 0.5 minus 400 of the over. Yeah. Um, so, can so I, like, I think, you know, it's obviously an interesting development for sure. Now I'm assuming that she means that he, she found out that he was hooking up with his mom's best friend before they broke up. I'm guessing, but let me say that didn't happen. Is there any, is there anything really illegal here? Like, I mean, obviously not illegal, but like, I'm kind of curious now, like how, how frequently does something like this happen? Cause this requires a couple of things. Your, your mom has to be very young, <laughs> right? She must have had you at like 20, right? I mean, we are talking about the, the, the church of Jesus Christ, true. Latter-day Saints here. True. Like that, I mean, this can't it's demographically a, true. This can't be a frequent occurrence, but it's like, it's definitely way better. I mean, it's, it's way better than like hooking up with your girlfriend's best friend's mom. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually, let's back the truck up for a little bit. Okay. I actually think the Dax Milne thing is a little bit like, I, I, I don't like it. Right. Like I, I, you know, I don't know. Does that if, worry you about Zach Wilson that Dax Milne was like, yeah, I've got no, you know, they were, they were buddies. He was, I got you was, into the league. I, yeah. You know, and then I helped, you know, they kind of helped each other. And then now like this, this girl's, a, and also like BYU is a humongous campus. The idea that this, this one individual would be the only woman Abby. worthy of affection seems low probability to me. So like how good a friend, like, look, the, so here's my question. And, and it brings it back because mm-hmm. we like this person a lot. Okay. Yeah. How safe is Braxton Berrios' relationship if he has one? He does have one. And this was exactly where I was going to go next. It's not so, safe. So, but wait, other way around. Uh, that, uh, Bra- no, no. Because I think this is a vengeful, like, oh. like this is a community. Oh, that so is- you think the hidden thing here is that Zach Wilson previously showed no regard for human life. Correct. And this is, okay. this is an anything goes group. Now, this and, is, and I, this is important worried. because Braxton Berrios, as was been mentioned on this podcast, had one of the best years in, in, in all of humanity last year, mm-hmm. because not only did he make it in the NFL, but he's also dating Sophia Culpo, who is um, Olivia Culpo, former Miss Universe and who dates Christian McCaffrey. And um, let's just say that I don't think Braxton Berrios is dating like, I think in we many universes. So this is interesting. Out into, but, into but friendships. Wilson, Wilson and Barrios have like been been buddies this offseason. So I, I, I would think I, I, I would I would assume that's a characteristic of Milne and Wilson's yeah, relationship. I would bet. Like and again, like whatever they could be in love. Those two, uh, I in my in my experience observing this happen to my friends group, I I, I would put. I would put the likelihood of true love in that relationship mm. to be quite low. Um, so I, 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 I'm, I'm selling Dax Milne. I think that that's a kind of a, a crappy move. Yeah. Um, but if I'm Braxton Berrios, I, I look at that situation him. and I think nothing's sacred, bro. I, you know, what if we'll, okay. like, because with a lot of quarterbacks, we say with salary wise, we say the upside has downside, mm, right? This is true. We look at Zach Wilson. If Zachy comes out there and throws 40 touchdowns, oh, it's going to be like this it's going to be a doubt among the, the wide. The Jets have been waiting. The Jets have been waiting for Joe Namath 2.0. If he yeah, comes out and throws 40 touchdowns, 
It's going to, I'm rooting. This is the number one thing I'm rooting for this year is Zach Wilson to light the world on fire because I need to see that. I need to observe it. Okay. We have managed to cover 27 minutes of this podcast and, and really hit some hard, truthful, important football topics. We are going to get now to a very important one, even more important than the ones you've already heard. And that is fantasy football. So now let me be clear here. You can listen to us talk about this, but the best way for you to figure it out, because that's really what you've got to do under fire in your draft, you've got to be ready to make some moves is to go to underdog fantasy and play best ball where you play for real money. So you're drafting against people that actually give a shit. You're not like mock drafting against like seven real robots. And you, you build up that like, you know, pressure tested draft ability. And, and here's the thing. You can also use promo code PFF. You get your entire deposit matched up to hundred dollars. And if you play 10 of those dollars, you get a free PFF subscription. So it's a really good freaking deal. Go to underdog fantasy, underdogfantasy.com, download the app. What they also give you is a really nice look at average draft position and average draft position among people that know what they're doing, right? That's the really important thing is that you're seeing kind of a consensus and we're building this into our fantasy tool that will be coming out very, very shortly, you're getting a consensus of experts. And that's what you kind of really want to sharpen your opinion based on that. Are you higher or are you lower than the consensus of experts? And I think that's a really valuable and useful um, useful thing. So you you do a lot of underdog fantasy drafts. I'd like you to start with this. What are your like big observations that you've made high level going through your first few drafts? Yeah, I think one of the things that I, I really, I, I think to impress upon the listeners, by the way, that what you just said, which is huge, is that markets are more efficient the sharper the players are in the markets, right? Mm-hmm. So we've said this a lot of time about betting where like we're really happy that even though we can't, like I can't bet circus sports directly, I can go through somebody who lives in Iowa or, or Colorado or Nevada, but like I like circus sports being available because their numbers are sharper, because they take bigger bets. They lay, they put out their own numbers and they move on action. Pinnacle sports has always been that way. Bet Chris has always been that way. So you have through those sharp markets, a very accurate view of who is, who, you know, who's good and who's not. And like you said, it's your job to sort of say, if I'm different than this, why? And most of the time you're wrong and, and find the times when you're actually right. And underdog fantasy. So prior to this, it was drafters, like it was drafters who were doing, you know, and it was draft and like that one of them was bought by FanDuel and, you know, underdog fantasy looked at this opportunity and said, Hey, let's, let's build a product that folks who have, you know, get, you know, we'll look at, you know, sharp accounts who, who move the ADP. So what you really do have here is a collection of average draft positions that really do- does reflect what I think the consensus and the sharpest, you know, uh, opinion is of every single player. So like, that's what I really like. I like also the fact that they let you play at low stakes at the beginning so that you can kind of, wrap your head around what's happening. So what I, mm-hmm. what I really like to do is I like to play the $3, three team list just so I can see sort of, and, and those three teamers, you're not, you're just looking at the top, right? Mm-hmm. You're look cause you're only, you're only every single player you draft in a three team draft is going to be a good player. And so you're looking at how those sort of deck chairs are aligned. 
And then as the season goes on, I like to, I like to play more of the longer stuff, you know, sort of the 12 teamers and stuff like that. Once I get in uh, acquainted with sort of how, what people's opinions are. The biggest thing that I take away from this is that people are still buying into Christian McCaffrey, despite everything we know about the last few seasons. Mm -hmm. um, his average draft position right now, it looks like it's two and a half. Jonathan Taylor is the leader at 1.2. I think Taylor is the leader in the clubhouse there. It's then three wide receivers in Cup, Jefferson, and Chase. And then – This is yeah, PPR, correct? Yeah, uh, yeah, I believe so. Half point, I believe. And Half then – um, but then from there you have, you know, Derrick Henry right now, ADP of 7.7. .7. So, you know, I think people – the question I have and what I wanted to ask you is, I mean, basically – the, the way the world works is Derrick Henry maybe has one year left of being good, uh, an elite level running back, right? After that, you know, given his injury, given his size, given just the way in which he's used, the question becomes like, I'll put that number at 0.5. Would you take over or under 0.5 elite fantasy seasons out of Derrick Henry left? Because that to me is a linchpin in like all your drafting, right? You can be, you know, you can go like, let's say in the three team where you can go wide receiver, wide receiver, and you can come back at Henry. Mm -hmm. If you don't do that, like the running back position kind of falls off a cliff after that. In a, in a, in a, you know, let's say a 12 teamer, like Henry might be your lead guy. If you're picking like in the middle of the first round. And do you want to do that in lieu of doing more of a zero running back strategy? Like all those question marks, I think hinge upon like what you believe about Derrick Henry. Is, are the Titans going to be good? Are they going to be able to use him as much? And lastly, is he going to be effective? Because, you know, he was effective at times last year, but you saw his efficiency decline as the season progressed. And it, it's not necessarily clear to me that, you know, he is who he is anymore. I am um, generally avoiding, I think, two running backs in the top 10. And those two are Christian McCaffrey and Derrick Henry. The reason, well, actually, mostly Derrick Henry. And the reason I'm doing that is because I'm very worried about that offense. <laughs> and uh, I don't know that it's going to be particularly good. Um, I, I, I'm also really worried about the fact that, I mean, I know he's a superhuman, you know, he literally is superhuman, but I'm concerned about they don't have, I don't think people are scared of Traylon Burks. <laughs> I don't think anyone's scared of Traylon Burks. And I don't think anyone's scared of, of Ryan Tannehill. And I think they're literally just going to say, we dare you to beat us that way. I think with Christian McCaffrey, the thing that would have me potentially bullish on him. And look, if you look at our PFF rankings, everyone has him two, except for um, Nathan, who has him at three is that he is now in an offense with a guy in Baker Mayfield who pr presumably won't be god-awful. And so if you get Christian McCaffrey out there, and they're certainly going to, if he can get out there, they're going to give him some run because they haven't seen him in a while. You know, you're going to get, I think, a guy that's dynamic in a, in a passing and running game. Derrick Henry, you're not getting that. So, like, I'm taking Najee Harris over Derrick Henry. Okay. Interesting. So – that's a very like that's I think a place where you and I like might just disagree, and it's maybe not necessarily like I would still take Harris. I would still take Harris after Henry, and and hmm. I I personally think 
when I look at Najee Harris, I see Todd Gurley second year, like, you know, hit me like a ton of bricks. You look at really? like, so Gurley played for the Rams in 15 came off an injury. Like his volume wasn't actually as much as Harris, which I think concerns even concerns me about Harris even more, but you know, they, they had Nick Foles, who was a terrible quarterback in 15 uh, for the St. Louis Rams. And then, you know, but he was still pretty solid. And then in year two, the offensive line, like, deteriorated right away, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the quarterback changed, right? So it went to Keenum and Goff. But, and like, I think a lot of people believed Keenum and Goff were better, and they kind of were than Foles in 15. The receiver position was whatever, which I think is, you know, kind of how Pittsburgh is. They're better than maybe average, but not that terribly great. Offensive line's bad. And schedule, I, I think with, you know, that AFC North being tough, I think with, you know, tons of uncertainty about Trubisky or Pickett. And the fact that Harris wasn't even that good last year as far as efficiency, like he was, what, 3.9 yards a carry. Like I – I think Harris is going to be a huge value by next year. I think right now he's in for a tough season. Like, I think he's in for one of those seasons where you're like, look, this is why you don't draft a running back because shit, like everything that happens to this player happens to this player as opposed to the other way around. Okay. Counter argument. He's getting a huge upgrade at quarterback. <laughs> um, like it doesn't, that's, I think the thing that I come back to is he had, he wasn't efficient last year because their offense sucked and their offense is going to be better. They have some good receivers. Um, their offensive line has improved a little bit. So, and he's going to catch passes. You know, if, if you're drafting in half point PPR or full PPR, like Derek Henry ain't catching passes, you know, like Najee Harris will. And, um, you know, that's, that's something that even if, you know, I mean, he had 74 receptions last year. So like, you know, even if you have a guy that, um, that the, the offense from a rushing perspective is not, you know, really great, then, um, he'll be able to make some moves that way. But I do think in general, like my kind of attitude towards fantasy is, and this may be a little jaded, but I'm, I'm really trying to hit on running backs at a cheaper price. And I'm, I play in two quarterback leagues. So I'm generally spending my money on quarterbacks and receivers and then letting running backs kind of come to me. Yeah. So, I mean, you're looking at, so, you know, eight running backs with ADP at 50 or more, let's say, right. So you're Mm -hmm. looking at, you know, David Montgomery, J.K. Dobbins, Josh Jacobs, Elijah Mitchell, A.J. Dillon, Antonio yeah. Gibson, Miles Sanders, uh, famously said, don't draft me, Tony Pollard, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I mean, I think that that's where you look at some of those players and you're looking at like, okay, is this player – so you have like two types here, right? You have a unquestioned – we have an unquestioned-ish starter who just kind of sucks or situation sucks, and then you have a player who – could who who I think if took the starting role could be a running back one or two for you right so like Montgomery and Jacobs uh Sanders you know even Damian Harris at 90 uh uh ADP are all players who are like you know they're the running they're running back one for their team but the situation either because of handcuffs or or just like the environment they're going to be in is troubling Whereas you take somebody like J.K. Dobbins, 
AJ Dillon, let's say Tony Pollard, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, even Kareem Hunt, I think if he gets cut by Cleveland, could go to a, a team and, and be a starting running back who's pretty good. Like those are players who right now the opportunities just aren't going to be there. But if, you know, let's say Clyde Edwards-Alaire beats out Ronald Jones and gets the majority of the touches in Kansas City, well, then that's a pretty good draft pick, right? So you need to take like a flyer on a bunch of those guys if you're not taking – uh, it is, this, this is basically zero running back 101. But, like, if you're not going to take the Taylors, McCaffrey's, Ecklers, you know, Cook, I think Cook is kind of baked here, though, at the end of his career. So, um, you know, that that's kind of where you have to be, and you have to have some imagination about it, right? Like, you have to look at Elijah Mitchell and, and ask yourself, is are they going to commit to him? You know, because if they do, that's a good running offense. And, and he, if he gets the majority of the carries, that could be beneficial to that team. Yeah, I and I also just to be totally transparent, I love to be the guy that drafts the young like running back that no one's heard of, and they're like end of the year, it's like I can't believe that you got that guy. You know, yep, yep, yep. that's that's my strategy. Um, I also the other reason for this is that when you invest, you know, running back injuries, if you if you're so anchored on a single running back and they get injured, like that just is the worst thing. And so um, I like to mitigate my uh, my potential for ruin <laughs> with that, um, you know, and and there are other things that can kind of derail that, you know, if you, the offense really sucks or something like that. But, um, you know, you look at some of those receivers and I mean, there are just so many really good ones out there. Um, and so I like, you know, I like that kind of stability a little bit more. Um, what else? Uh, let's move on to a different position. Let's do one more position here. Uh, awesome. So, uh, let's look at wide receiver. Like, I think, you know, for me right now, you know, you obviously have, uh, cup Jefferson chase, you know, Diggs, Adams lamb. I'm kind of interested that Tyreek Hill here is, you know, 22 ADP, you know, we're looking at wide receiver, you know, three, six, nine, um wide receiver nine even though like his receiving yardage prop is like a thousand so like i'm interested in that Mm -hmm. yeah he's um he's one for me that i am not uh drafting um and that's a fade on tua that's a huge fade on tua um like i i'm just not doing that i would much rather um you know at, at 22 like gosh, I'd much rather go with a younger running back at that point, you know, like a Trevante Williams or something like that, whose ADP is at like 25. Um, There are too many good young receivers with quarterbacks that you should have more faith in. I mean, take the guys that are kind of directly behind Hill, T Higgins, AJ Brown, Keenan Allen, Michael, uh, Mike Williams. All those guys have offensive uh, situations and quarterbacks that are, I think you've got to be a, at least a little more bullish, if not way more bullish on than what Tyreek Hill has in Miami. Not to mention that it's not as if Tyreek Hill is just going from a good offense to a decent one. He's going from a generationally great quarterback and offensive scheme to one that is totally unproven. So yes, I think that is very, you know, curious Guys that, you know, have a higher ADP that I'd much rather just draft higher, like CeeDee Lamb and Mike Evans, 
are two guys um, that I would much rather take. Debo is an interesting one because he's right ahead of Tyreek Hill there. And actually, those are two guys that I'm kind of staying away from because of, I think, the uncertainty with them. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, and that it's weird because this is best ball and you, you sort of, you want to buy variants, but at the same time, like, you know, these are your top picks, right? You know, and so let, let me bring this conversation really quickly to tight ends because it's sort of a, it's sort of a complimentary piece. You have to play a tight end every single week in, in, uh, in best ball. Um, you have Kelsey 12 ADP, Andrews 19 and a half ADP, Pitts and Waller 32.3 and 43.7, and then Kittle at 50.9. You sort of really do have like a top five tight ends, but you have two there that I think the market is saying, take these guys in round one or two. And in a, in a deeper league, right? Like in a league where you're required to take 12, you know, where you're playing 12 teams, right? Mm-hmm. You're taking Kelsey or Andrews before either your first wide receiver or running back. I have a hard time. And so to bring this back to Hill, I have a hard time using a draft pick on a player like Tyreek Hill when I know the error bars are so big mm-hmm. when the alternative, and again, like this, and I don't know if I would take Kelsey this high, but the alternative is a guy like Travis Kelsey who, like if you look at Kelsey, you know, you, Kelsey, when you look at his statistics from just a like, you know, purely, you know, uh, you know, consistency standpoint, you're looking at over a thousand yards every single year for the last six years, unprecedented for tight end play, right? Like, so that's like the worry I have with taking a Tyree kill. Sure. You're shooting for the stars and maybe there's no point in, in have it, maybe in a 12 team league, for example, there's no point in having any player who has smaller variants, but you, you do need to have some players that are consistently going to win for you because it is sort of a week to week league, right? It doesn't, yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. Like, it's not a week-to-week league in that you play somebody every single week in best ball, but it's a week-to-week league in that they take your biggest player every single week, and you kind of want to mm-hmm. have a dudless wide receiver group every week. You know what I'm saying? Like, that, that's kind of yeah. my concern with Hill. I'm with you. Are you – so I don't know that I'm taking Kelsey or Andrews um, – I also am not taking pits because Marcus Mariota is going to be God awful. Yeah. Um, Waller Waller, I think is very interesting. Um, You know, there's, there's going to be a lot of targets to go around. I mean, the the Raiders are going to have to throw the hell out of the ball. And unlike prior seasons, he's not going to be the person that, that teams are game planning against with Adams and Renfro there. But I look a little bit further down a guy that I really like at, at, 86 um, ADP is uh, TJ Hawkinson. And, you know, I, I think that one of the things that, you know, you look for are, are players that have, you know, obviously we've talked about the lions a few times, but like players that have an opportunity to be on a team that, that like does ascend a little bit. Um, I, I like Dallas Goddard, Dawson Knox. Those are the two guys right behind him as well. Um, and you just, I don't know that going with Kelsey or Andrews in lieu of one of those really good receivers, I think would be tough for me. Yeah, for sure. I, um, one last bit of, of just advice and like, 
I, I find myself in this predicament just because I'm a huge Patrick Mahomes fan, but I'm also a huge Josh Allen fan, <laughs> you know, especially uh, the scars, you know, when, when you, you're wrong about a player, you know, you sort of even to my extent overreact a little bit. Um, there are just too many good quarterbacks in this league to take one really high, you know, mm-hmm. in best ball. Like it's just, you know, and, and that's reflected. I mean, like I said, this is a sharp group of people, you know, betting into this market. Allen is an ADP of 29.1, you know, Herbert's 44, Mahomes is 50, Kyler Murray, 60, Jalen Hurts, 62, Burrow is 70, Wilson, 77. You don't even get to the goat Tom Brady until 81 and Trey Lance is, mm-hmm. and then this also highlights the difference between fantasy football and real football. Trey Lance and Tom Brady are QB nine and 10, right? And I think, you know, most of us look at Trey Lance and say, there's a lot there from a fantasy perspective, given great offense, good call play caller great tools you know arm and legs and stuff like that but it's just it's weird right so like resist the urge to take one of these elite quarterbacks that you've heard of before until you know quite late in the draft right i mean qb 13 so you're basically taking like if you're in a 12 teamer qb 13 so everybody's taking a quarterback and then somebody's taking a second quarterback right Mm -hmm. before Mm -hmm. you qb 13 is aaron Rodgers. Just think about that for a sec, right? Like that, you know, and I'm not saying he's a great fantasy quarterback this year, but that that shows sort of like the flatness of outcomes with respect to opinion at the position. Yeah, I, I my personal take on quarterbacks in, you know, in, in a best ball league is, you know, take a guy that's solid, but later on, and then take a flyer. Like one of my favorite flyers is Jameis Winston. Now, Zach Wilson might be up there soon, but like, you know, Jameis Winston, Trevor Lawrence, a guy that has like just go off potential. And, you know, that, you know, I I like Trey Lance too, but I mean, people are already taking him very, very high. So, you know, they've obviously caught on. They understand it. They get it. Um, That is our podcast. Uh, We will be back with you on Wednesday. Uh, Hopefully we do. We got to give the people some goods here, though. You did promise college football picks. That's true. That's true. I'll go over them. Four. Okay, these are your recommendations. Just give them out. You have a minute. I got. I, got, I have four of them. Yeah. Coastal Carolina over seven and a half wins, minus one forty. James Madison, first year in the FBS, under six and a half wins, minus one fifty. University of Alabama, Birmingham, over eight and a half wins, nice. plus one twenty. And your Wazoo Cougars over five go. and a half. In 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 um, you know, uh, in honor of today. The Washington State Cougars at over five and a half minus one twenty, um, one twenty five. I'm sorry. I, I like all of those. They're simulate. Uh, by the way, uh, just p- pimp this out. Tomorrow is when our college football preview comes out on the website, and that will have projected win totals for every single team in college football. You are one day ahead of that information here uh, by listening to the forecast. But being a member of the PFF forecast, of the syndicate of the syndicate. There it is. You're welcome. Take that to the bank. I can't wait to cash those tickets in like 10 months. Uh, Love you all. We'll see you on Wednesday. Peace.